After the Hebrew slaves were released, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, and then they came to the crest of a hill. And they looked over the hill into the promised land. We often do that in our lives. We're looking over into the promised land. We know we want to get there, but we don't know how. The book of Joshua in the Old Testament talks about how they did that. And so that's what I want to read to you now, is the story of the movement into the promised land, the holy place that God gave to them. Joshua 1, verses 1 through 9. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, and you and all this people, into the land which I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No one shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Be not frightened, neither be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is the word of the Lord, and the people can say, thanks be to God. Our New Testament scripture today is taken from the first letter of Peter, a letter that was written to a community that had been dispersed over a wide area after the death of Jesus. And he says, So put away all malice and all guile and insincerity and envy and all slander. Like newborn babies long for the pure spiritual milk, 
that by it you may grow up to salvation, for you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Come to him, to that living stone rejected by men, but in God's sight chosen and precious. And like living stones, be yourselves built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, and here Peter quotes previous Scripture, says, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious. And he who believes in him will not be put to shame. And again in Peter's words, To you therefore who believe, he is precious. But for those who do not believe, and here he again quotes previous scripture, the very stone which the builder rejected has become the head of the corner, and a stone that will make men stumble, and a rock that will make them fall. And then again in Peter's words, For they stumble because they disobey the word, as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, that you may declare the wonderful deeds of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were no people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. May God enlighten us through his word. Now comes your instructions. As uh, Theo and Chuck and uh, some of the youth are setting up, I need for all of you who are in the front to stand up and move to the back so you can see the screen, to go to the outside, not down the middle aisle, and, uh, you know, we always make the ba- people in the back move to the front. This time we're having the front people join them in the back of the sanctuary. And the youth will have to come down from up in the balcony, which I'm sorry. Oh, here they are. Okay, thanks, the youth. Make sure you can see the screen. So does this feel a little different? Can you guys see the screen okay? I'll move out of the way for you. It's a little darker back here. You'll be able to see the screen a little bit easier. You know, if this pew would move down a little bit, you guys wouldn't be quite so crowded. So 
Yeah. Oh. Oh, okay. Okay. Man, it's good to see everybody sitting close together. This is good. Today I want to tell you in my Why series, why as Christians we should study. But when I say study, I mean more than just casually study. I mean to become a disciple of Jesus Christ, to become a follower, to become so steadfast in recognizing the Word of God as being a living Word that you hunger and you thirst to be a part of it, to go deeper, to always be curious and to really seek out what God is saying for us in the 21st century. Think how important a book like the Bible can be. And I often think about the Bible as being like um, the playbook when I played football in high school. And one day, one of the players, it was such a ferocious hit that it rang his bell. In other words, he became dizzy and so on, but he wasn't unconscious. But he forgot the playbook. He couldn't remember when the quarterback called a play what that meant. And right in the middle of the game, he forgot the playbook. And I think that that's all too often the way that we are when it comes to the playbook, the Bible. When we need it the most is when we forget it. And we just turn to ourselves and our own ingenuity to be able to, to invent a way as opposed to turning to the source book, the, the law book, as, as it was said in Joshua 1, how God was telling them to be courageous and to be brave and to, to accept the law, which was their instruction book at that time, and to use that as their guide and that they were to never forget. Well, if you never knew it, how could you forget it? Why is it that we are so willing to live with a sixth grade education when it comes to the Bible, and yet we need a graduate degree to operate our computers? And we're really willing to study how to do the computers, and yet we fail to delve deeply into God's Word for us. We are people of the book. The Bible is our instruction book for life. And it's not easy to understand. And it's a lifelong project to be able to study and to go deeper and deeper. And I can remember that as I studied passages when I was 20 and 30 years old, that when I read those passages now, after a few more years of life experience, those passages take on a new meaning. They take on a, a little bit different understanding that has more depth, more context, more uh, content, if you will. We're trying to develop 
an exciting time for education for people of all ages in the life of this congregation. Just simply to acknowledge that we all can grow and learn. We've doubled the number of Bible studies that we're, that we're teaching these days. We're working hard with a, a new style of doing Sunday school for all ages. We're wanting people to have and to feel the excitement that when we go deep into the book, our hearts and our lives are changed. So I'm going to ask Theo to show us uh, how uh, our studies might go. Oh, technical difficulties. This uh, clip comes from the movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and I don't know if you know it. He's a senior who has senioritis, and even worse, his friend Cameron is in real difficulty. And this, good work, good work, Theo. And this clip shows why they're taking a day off from high school, why they're taking a day off from their classes. And if you haven't seen it, pay close attention to the end, the last guy who is one of the students. This may be how you remember Sunday school or a, a education in, in the past. Now we know why Ferris Bueller went on a holiday. But our classes have depth, have opportunity, they, they have human touch, they have laughter. And there's really no reason to continue to hold this image in your mind, that that's what Sunday school is like. But rather, that we should be experiencing the love of Jesus Christ in the excitement that comes with being people of faith. And so, Theo, if you would show the next little bit, this is how you should come out of the class when you uh, come out of Ray's class or when you come out of Dave's class or when you come out of uh, Ken's house when they have Bible study at Ken's house. This is how I want you to be. Oops. It's coming. There. (laughs) 
That's how you should come out of class on a Sunday morning. And I think if you're with Gordon and the children, they come out that way. They come out singing a song. Their hearts are filled. They've done a craft project. They've memorized Scripture. For kids, we think that's wonderful. But what about us as adults? Do we want to stay at a sixth grade level of understanding of the great God who has created us? The one who claims us? The one who sent His Son to die for us? And rose again and shows us the possibility of newness every day? Do we want to stay at a sixth grade or a third grade level of understanding and say, that's good enough? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think that what we need to be about is enriching our own lives. In 1 Peter, as, as Joel was reading that, and he was just reading the first nine or ten verses, but when you go to verse 13 of 1 Peter, it says, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Now, are you ready? I think he's ready. This is the kind of enthusiasm that I want us to have. I want you to listen. This is a secular comedian who is introducing the Divine One. And this is the kind of understanding and enthusiasm and actually life that I want us to experience as we become a part of a learning community where you are on a journey of faith and that we provide in this place tools for you and not just dogma that you have to memorize, but the opportunity for you to understand and to own the faith for yourselves. If I had the pleasure of bringing out Christ, this is just how I would do it. It ain't got to be the way you would do it. You might not think it's just right, but this is how I would do it. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor to introduce a man who needs no introduction. 
Yeah, yeah. I really wish you could have seen it on the screen. I was standing back here looking at the monitor. Do you know God that well? Could you introduce Jesus with that long litany of affirmations? And why not? A secular comedian who sits with a secular audience who introduces the King of Kings, the Creator of all that is. And he goes on for five minutes with appellations, affirmations, and confirmations. Because at some point in his life, he knew the Word. And he grew in his ability to share that with other people. And in the midst of a comedy routine, he brings people to their feet, they are cheering and they are clapping because he knows God. He has studied the Word. He is mature in his faith. That's why we study. There was a woman named Mary. And Mary was in a prayer group. And Mary had been a leader in her church. And she would get upset about things every once in a while. And she would look around and she would say things like, why do we have two pianos up here? You know, that just junks up the sanctuary. We've got a perfectly good piano on the left and it just doesn't look good. Why do we have two pianos? We shouldn't have two pianos. You tell the Buildings and Grounds Committee to get that other piano out of there. She thought she was helping. Or maybe her complaint had to do with the flowers. And she said, you know, I was down at this other church and they had fake mock orange trees that were up there and that looked better than those fresh flowers every day. Why are we doing that? We're wasting money on the cost and we're all uh, just looking at them and then they're dead and they're gone. Why do we do that? And she went on and on and so she talked to Dennis about that and she said, Dennis, let's not waste money on flowers. That congregation had decided they were only going to have secular, sim I mean, they were only going to have religious symbols in their sanctuary. And so they took the American flag out. And she said, Why do they take the American flag out? We're a free country because of the Americans who have come before us and they built this democracy. Why do we take the flag out? I think the flag ought to be in there. Don't you agree? And she called every one of her friends and she got this big uprising going. And then the last one had to do with the candelabras. The candelabras didn't work anymore. They were falling apart. They looked like <clears throat> they looked less than good. And they had taken them out because they were distracting. And she said, well, why did they take the candelabras out? My grandfather gave those. They were founded and poured especially for this church. They've got our church initials on it. And why should we be doing this? And she went on and on and she got a whole committee together. They confronted the leaders of the church and what they did was they were forced to fix it and put it back. And last week she was in her prayer group. And in her prayer group they were talking about idolatry. And some folks were saying, money, that's our idolatry in America today. And then there were other folk who, in this small Bible study, who said, oh, I think about those churches where they have all of these statues and all of those things. And Mary hung her head. 
And she said that God has convicted my heart. That my idolatry has been those small things in our worship space. That I've been majoring in the minors. That I've been causing upset because of the small things. And that I've made them idols. And I've missed the bigger picture. The reason that she could draw that conclusion and change her own attitude about her worshiping family of faith and the accoutrements of faith, of worship, was because she was in a Bible study group where it was safe to read Scripture and to be convicted by it of a new way of seeing and understanding. And because she was with friends who could share with her the truth of what had changed in her life, because she took time to study and to be a part of a Bible study group that supported and prayed with her. At the age of 65, she had a revelation of how God was calling her to be more open to new things. Because we believe in a God of new things. New song. New testament. New worship. Newness within ourselves. Lord God, let us each one find a place that becomes a workshop for our souls. A steady time where we can read, discuss, reflect, learn, grow, and change. Because Your Word is a powerful Word that can make all things new. And we pray this in Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.